Hello, Internet. Welcome back to the Fast Travel Lounge. You're listening to episode 31. Uh, my name is Patrick. I'm joined by Seth and Steve. No Josh this week. Say hi, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hello, everyone. Really close. I was going for a, going for a hey, everyone. You, you went with hello. Uh, I thought, thought I'd be um, a bit more formal. Um, <sighs> Steve, without, we talked about this before we minions, record. The rise of grew out. <laughs> you wearing yeah, a suit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, hope, I hope, I've got I hope everyone else is recording in a suit right now. Yeah, I've got I'm, my um, I'm, two bananas I'm in my pocket as well. I'm recording in my birthday suit. Uh, I hope that's okay. I, yeah, it's a shame I, this is only an audio <laughs> podcast. Maybe the, this is really what pushes us into the video right? I, I did a, I did a John Krasinski turn, turn and wink at the camera. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say I am wearing a suit just to make everyone uh, not mad with me. Good, good. Glad, glad, you're, glad you're conforming. I see, you know I you see high, school, high school trained you well. <laughs> you know you can just lie. Like it's an audio medium. Like it, yeah, that, that, no one's ever going to know. I'm not lying. I'm wearing a suit. Speaking of people who lie but don't wear suits, where's Josh? Um, I think he was having trouble with his suit. Um, <laughs> do, you, do, you think, do you think he just came out of um, a Minions movie and then just went back in for round two instead of coming home to record? I don't even think he... He, he, pro- he probably had never even left. He's probably just been in there since it um, released <laughs> last week. He's still in the he's same trapped. seat. <laughs> so what happened he's is... Um, bananas. What happened is his work computer's <laughs> fucked up, so he's had to go to get Krispy Kreme. Oh, oh God, true. That's, that's true. Uh, shoot, well, do you think he's still taking What flavor do you reckon Josh likes of Krispy Kreme? Well, I mean, we know that like, his favorite Family Guy character is Brian, so he's probably a... Uh, he's not even an original glaze kind of operator. He'd be one of those weird niche ones that no one likes. It's probably like banana cream or something. <laughs> yeah. It's strawberry. Strawberry's pretty shit flavor. Oh, well, I mean, let's, let's not go throw... Let's, let's not go throw, throwing insults we can't take back. Strawberry's, strawberry's pretty good. <laughs> I stand by what I said. Strawberry's better than liking Brian Griffin. <laughs> True. I think True. everything's better than Brian Griffin. <laughs> Speaking of things better than Brian Griffin, the Minions movie, though. <laughs> oh, Have you no, guys actually just, seen uh, it? Or are we still no, Minion? No, I just... Or, or I'm, as they I'm, say I'm, it, uh, Minion? Minion? Hmm. Should have thought that one through before I said yeah, it. Sorry. Stop. Stop, <laughs> please. Just in front of me. Um, Apology, apologies for the next uh, for, for, for this episode uh, I don't know if I said this episode 31 um, apologies for this one Mimian? my, my, my voice sounds oh my god Steve let the man finish his no my throat is uh, more sore blady than usual after a, uh, after a bout of sickness so hopefully uh, there's not a huge amount of coughing but in case you're wondering man they've, they've hot swapped the Sweet, sweet voice of the regular host of FTL. Don't worry, still me. Same humor, same shit segues, just a slightly sandpapery uh, voice. Pull one out for um, the man hosting during COVID-19. Yeah, well, gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, but that's okay. Means that I've <laughs> had more time us. to get into Sunbreak, which will be the main thing that I'm talking about this week. Uh, any other random bits and pieces that we need to hit before we go into Run the Lounge? Actually, Josh didn't um, give us an album of this week. Anyone got an album we want to throw out? Uh, no. I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate for kids, Bob. <laughs> uh, you would be an advocate for kids, wouldn't you, big fella? Out, out, of, out, of, <laughs> out of the corner of my mind, um, Pokemon to be a master. Is that an album? Yes, it is. Huh, okay, sick. Go check it out. 
I believe <laughs> I don't really is, know much more to add to that. I believe is a bunch of songs from season one of the um anime. Sounds dope. Uh, There's some right. I have um, an, av- an album coming out later this year. Does she? Look, it doesn't matter. I think she does. Um, Better yes. put a real spring in, spring in my 2022 step. I'll tell you what. Um, Dirt Femme released in October 14, 2022. So get keen for that. Exciting. Uh, I guess that's a pre-order album of the week. <laughs> Fun facts. Yeah, it will be good. I'm, sh- I'm sure it'll be good. I'm sure it'll be good. Fun facts, Pokemon to be a master sold 3 million copies worldwide. Wow. That's, album that's almost more done. than... <laughs> huh, that's it's crazy that, that that's sold more than Sunbreak has. Oh, and it took three and a half weeks to produce the entire, entire album. That seems like a I, very short amount of time to produce yeah. an album. Uh-huh. But one, of, uh, one of the best anime, uh, no less. Oh, well, um, not much more that we need to- Would you call to- Pokemon an anime or a cartoon? Let's get into the real, um, the real hard chats. Like, I, I well, always considered it a cartoon. Well, but- Wikipedia lists it as the Pokemon anime, so I'm going to go with Wikipedia on this. Do I have to play my, um, my trap card? No. Doesn't Family Guy count as an anime because it's like an animation? Well- No. Family Guy doesn't have a manga slash comic, so no. And it's produced entirely in the West. And it's funny. Now you hold on for a second. There's a lot of funny anime. <laughs> There's um, a bunch of Simpsons comics floating around. I remember reading a bunch of those. Does that make Simpsons an anime? Radioactive Man and, uh, and Fall Out Boy? No, no, no. It's actually like that. I remember them doing like a, a whole series. Yeah, yeah. I do remember there comics. being a Simpsons comic run like in the mid-2000s. It might have been even... It might have been running way before that. Well, anyway, this, tangent, any more time, this right? tangent's gone on way too long. It has. Not it long has. enough. Just like, just like Brian Griffin does. <laughs> true. True. Weird, weird way to pull it back, but fair enough. Um, might as well go into round the lunch for this week. Uh, Stay with myself. I've been playing Sunbreak, but I've also caught up on all of Stranger Things except the final season which i'm slowly making my way through I've seen a couple episodes so far liking what i'm seeing it's a long season um, oh man yeah each episode's like a bloody movie um yeah. which is funny because that that was a similar thing to how game of thrones to death you know what we'll get into it um but that's been that's been my week uh steve what's your been what's what's your week been like um i've been playing the mass effect legendary edition um nice. once Good again the magic of game pass um, and I've, oh, I forgot how much I love those games so much. So I finished like Mass Effect 1 and now I'm about halfway through Mass Effect 2. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'll give my thoughts on how great those games are. And Josh isn't here to neg me the whole time, so how good. <laughs> the week just gets better and better. Seth, what about you? I finished Far Cry 6. And uh, to go into what's going to be the main topic of the week, I assume, I've been playing a lot of Monster Hunter Rise. Oh, yeah. No, no, no way. That's crazy. That, that's, that's also what I've been playing. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I have not been playing it. Makes sense. That's fine because we don't care, Steve. Um, Josh, uh, I know, has also been playing a lot of Sunbreak, but sadly could not be here. Although, funnily enough, is not playing Sunbreak now. So hopefully At least he's enjoying the- not playing Sunbreak instead of uh, doing the pod with us. <laughs> maybe uh, he's just well, appearing offline. True. Or maybe, maybe he's back in the cinema watching uh, Minions Round 3. Um, but- 
that is all we have in the week so far, which is nice and short. Can't wait to see how we turn this into a two-hour episode like we never fail to do, regardless of how short the weeks are. Uh, I think Sunbreak will probably be the big thing that we spend a lot of time on. Um, I'm going to quickly hit Stranger Things because I uh, want to. Yeah, boom, strange, crazy. Host is going first. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Um, so I uh, got told to watch Stranger... Oh, I've been told to watch Stranger Things all the time. Saw the first episode a couple of years ago, actually, and it just didn't gel with me. I didn't really... I, I, I didn't get into it. I might have just been watching it at a bad time. But I've got a recommendation uh, from this podcast, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, true, you, true. It, it was my recommendation that made you decide to go back, right? Uh. Yeah, politically, because you are my editor, who I love dearly, I have to say yes, of course you did. Um, but yeah, I was also in that same boat. I watched like the first two, maybe three episodes of season one a year or two years ago, and then mm. just kind of dropped off. And it's like, uh, the new season's coming out. I'll, um, I'll just watch through it all with uh, the girlfriend and we'll go through season four together when that drops. Yeah, no, that's basically what I did. I also watched it through with your girlfriend, uh, and now here we are. Um, <laughs> there wasn't no, a lot I'm, of watching going on, but was yeah. it? Oh, I was watching something, but it wasn't really the show. Um, the uh, so I I <laughs> yeah, I've now caught up to everything except the the um, season four, uh, which, as I say, I've gotten a couple episodes into. So real real broad strokes, really like season one. Uh, I just I guess I just wasn't in the right space to appreciate it when I saw it the first time. Went back, uh, watched it again, got really into it. Season two, man, what a season. Definitely my favorite of the lot so far. Season three, actually actively disliked. Just was not a fan. Yeah, there there's, were, a, there's a lot of things going oh. against season three for me. I don't, especially for, um, oh God, the names are leaving me at the moment, but Winona Ryder, uh, her character, and uh, the cop, I do not, I actively dislike them in season three. Yeah, uh, I'm assuming you mean Joyce and yes, Hopper. Yes, Joyce and Hopper, yeah. yes. I don't cool. know why, but I just completely blanked on their names for a moment. But yeah, I <laughs> actively hated them in season three. And they were some yeah. of my favorite parts of um, season one and two. Agreed, agreed. Uh, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, okay. Well, there's not going to be a descending opinion because Josh isn't here. So that's awkward. We just agree, shake hands and move on, I guess. I, um, I can be this in a descending opinion, even though I haven't seen it. Oh, yeah, go on. Um, it's shit. She's not a good actor. Um, <laughs> she's playing a role that doesn't make sense, and there's a lot of plot holes. Well, no, that's that, the problem. Is I, I agree with you in season three. Yeah, that that makes sense oh. for the season three stuff. <laughs> I didn't know. What a guess. What a guess. <laughs> He's done it. No, well, I, I definitely don't agree with the shit actor bit. I, I think they all act very well, but I did not like what they did with her character in season three. Um, the yeah, I, and I so really what, like what's, Murray though. He he's like. The glue that holds them together in season three. Murray? What was that? Which Murray's the uh, conspiracy theory guy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Yeah. He gets yeah, even better in if, season four as well. If I if I if I watch a show too quickly, I know all of their names while I watch the show, but as soon as I try and discuss it, I just I, I pick I know all of their faces. I just I just completely forget all their names. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, I, get I, that. I I I quite liked him in, in season three as well. I, I kind of um, had that moment before where I was accidentally calling Malzino Mizutune in Monster Hunter. <laughs> I don't know why. I was like, oh, yeah, I bet the next major monster I'm going to fight is Malzino. And every time I was talking about it, I'm like, yeah, so I think the next one's going to be Mizutune. 
That completely makes sense. Those are like 20 syllables plus like they both start with an M. Yeah, see, there we go. Even even though Steve doesn't play Monster Hunter, he gets it. Yeah, the um, only problem is that Mizutune's been in the game for like since launch. Malzino is very new. True, true. Um, Mizutune coming on being, being in games since Generations, uh, which makes me feel really old because that game was like 2015-ish. Man, been ages. Um, anyway, yeah, that was basically what I wanted to hit with Stranger Things. I will say that even though I basically only watched season three to get through it, because <laughs> it really didn't have that many redeeming qualities for me, uh, I'm really liking season four so far. Uh, a little bit long in places, but I re- I, I'm, I, I'm much more on board with this premise than trying to do what they did with like Russians and particle exper- experiments and everything else that they did in season three. I like most of what they did with season three. It's just the character drama stuff is dropping the ball in season three, but everything that involves the Russians and the uh, the, uh Mind Flayer storylines, those were all good to me. Like uh, anything I supernatural just... was good, but it was it's when it came to the relationship dramas, I was like, they're really dropping the ball this season. I just I just didn't get why it was necessary. It was like uh I mean, yeah, I guess spoilers because you know, season three came out what, like two two years ago or something? Four now? years ago. Oh god, okay, well that's much worse. But um At least I'm pretty sure I it just, was four years. Uh sure. But I just I, I I didn't understand why they needed any of that. Like I I didn't believe that that the Russians would just like tunnel under a mall to sort of continue the experiments with all of this layers of conspiratorial shit on top. Yeah, I I kind of see where you're coming from. In like, I think um it, they were building up towards like the this is taking place during the Cold War, so. Both America and Russia are in that sort of um, that uh, bit of like competition. The, co- uh, the Cold and War. And it could go to war at I... any point. Yes, and um, it, it's just like <laughs> they hinted at a couple of times that um, America's doing this and trying to make sure that it doesn't get into Russia's hands. And they've uh, they've dropped they've dropped in that uh, Russia is going to be a problem a couple of times earlier in season. I think it starts in season two. They start like dropping that Russia will be a problem. So it's just uh, kind of them I think following through on that. They they've hinted at it in both. I think uh, they they certainly made it much stronger in season two. But like I, I get all that. I I understand all that. But my problem is the fact that all of it is set up to be how it was done under Hawking uh, Hawking Indiana. You know, like yeah. I'm on board if the Russians are over in Russia building a secret military base underground and all this other stuff. But it's the fact that they've apparently smuggled all of this in and built it under a mall in the middle of small town United States. And then they talk about how, you know, this is like one of the pride and joy secret nuclear testing sites of Russia guarded by their strongest military people and all this other stuff. But it's like, but you're 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 in the middle of nowhere in continental U.S. (laughs) Why? Why are you here? I think it's mostly just because all this shit keeps happening in Hawkins. Uh, like, it's probably gotten out that uh, all this um, all this weird shit's going on over there, so Russia's just taken over, basically. Uh, I don't know. It, it just doesn't sit right with me. It would have been way better if it was just like, oh yeah, this is what the Russians are up to. I Honestly, I would have believed it more if the lift that goes down 
from underneath them all, transported them to Russia somehow, just by some magical interdimensional gate or something. They're like in Russia now. Cool. I believe that. I don't believe they built this giant facility uh, underneath Hawken where the old one that was destroyed went. Um, and then similarly to that, the, the whole big finale, Mind Flare and everything, the big showdown at the mall, I understood what they were going for. But if they changed the order of events by 30 seconds, that final thing would have played out very differently because, man, isn't it just really dumb luck that a bunch of kids uh, lost, like, a few of their loved ones to the Mind Flayer because the military took 30 seconds longer to show up? Yeah, that's usually the case in these sort of things. Jo Joyce, yeah, and because it took Joyce and Hopper 30 extra seconds to shut the gate. <laughs> like, damn, if only. Joyce. If only. Sorry. <laughs> As someone who hasn't seen it, and yeah. will probably eventually watch it when it's all complete. Yeah, yeah. Is, so, see is you it in like a couple a weird... of years. Because yeah, they're doing yeah, another I've heard season. the last season comes out. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like 2023, 2024. But is it like weird supernatural Dungeons and Dragons creatures versus like the army, and there's like this ragtag bunch of kids that are fucking around? Is that the sort of premise? Uh, it starts off as ragtag kids going against. So they use D&D &D as a way of naming the creatures, but they're more like eldritch horrors than they are D&D &D horrors. Yeah. Um, and uh, then the military okay. comes in a little later because they're the ones doing experiments and they've got to try and put a stop to it. But it's mostly focused on the kids. Well, that, that's why I liked the um, involvement of the military in, in volume two, where it was like, yes, now the military is sort of aware and across what's going on, but they are also like, it's, it's not so... I, I liked season two because it was a blend of something like The Mist, both the movie and the Netflix show, which is, I think, still really good. And I'm kind of annoyed they didn't get a second season out of it. Um, <laughs> I but, missed that one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whoa, yeah, you did. You did. Go watch it. Um, but I, I like how they blended that with what they did with Stranger Things in season one, because it didn't feel like the military is the main be all and end all of this. And then the ragtag kids just kind of come in and save the day. It was like both of them actually felt like they were working together rather than against each other through parts yeah. of it. Like, there were little moments of antagonism, but I I don't know. I think it's a bit of a played-out trope that it's like, you know, oh, if only the military listened to this nine-year-old, you know, we wouldn't be in this mess, where it was like, no, I, I, un I believably understand that the military acted in their best interest, and I believably understand that the kids acted in their best interest, and that's what made season two so great for me. But then so it all falls apart in season three, is that what you're trying to say? I think it all falls apart in season three because to me, it seemed really obvious from the like that one of the first things that they do in season three is they show uh, the Day of the Dead as a premise for it. Like like the, the kids in the show are watching Day of the Dead at the movies. And then a lot of what the story becomes through season three is about homages to Day of the Dead and 80s, like 80s era horror and everything else. And so it feels like a bit of a fever dream season for me. Because tonally uh, okay. and like, uh, like both like, yeah, both in tone and what the characters are doing and the whole, to me, kind of shoehorned Russian Soviet era Cold War plot all feel kind of more like a Treehouse of Horror episode than a Stranger Things season where because it's all taken place over, over like a week or two during summer break, it feels like they could have got to the end of that and gone, man, that was crazy. Anyway, so where was the actual like, where's the canonical story? <laughs> but so it's that's like my take season. on it. Yeah. To, yeah. To me, yeah. it felt like it felt like a filler season with a couple character points that that will carry over into future seasons. But the story was just so the 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 tone of the story that they were telling was so off base to previous seasons to me that it was just a bit. It became really hard to watch because all of the bits that I loved from season one and two, they 
they sort of, I'm not even sure if they tried to do it, but like there, there were moments where it felt like they were returning to season one and season two, but they just never committed. They always felt like they were trying this, this new um, homage trying to be clever and artsy type um, callback through season three, which I just didn't like. Uh, we've been talking about this for a while. Final word from you, Seth. Yeah. Um, overall, I think I, I like Stranger Things a lot. I, I, I definitely agree with Patrick that I think season three is like the lowest point, but I still think there's some fun in it. Like I, I just kind of enjoyed all the supernatural elements of that season, but I do agree that there are points of it where it's much weaker than the other seasons. But overall, it's still worth going through the entire series. Oh yeah, no, it's it's. I wouldn't recommend anyone skip it. I'm just saying, don't. Well, yeah, for me, go- it was a shame because I I came out of the highs of season two into the lows of season three, and I'm just want to give anyone else that hasn't seen any of Stranger Things yeah to a give them that precaution that season three is a yeah. low point. Even then, I still think season three is like a seven. Ah, uh, for me, it would have been like a, a four or a five, but. Anyway, look, I'm I'm really enjoying the first two episodes of season four, and from what I've heard, people that have enjoyed what I enjoyed about Stranger Things season one and two have said the same things about season four, so I'm really looking forward to finishing that off. Yeah, no, season four is fantastic. It gets everything back on track, and yeah, we can talk more about that later. Final, final point. It is very funny that it takes place six months after season three, and the actors, while looking much older than a six-month time gap, don't look too old, which was a... Which, well done. I don't know how they did that, but well done. <laughs> they, they tried their best. Given given how many years but, in like that that that's uh, indifference in shooting season two, uh, three to season four, they did well. The one thing they couldn't avoid is that Will sounds so much deeper now. <laughs> yeah, and he's grown like a foot taller. Yeah, <laughs> that was a that was a rough six months. <laughs> Those bones were uh, just screaming. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's all I wanted to say about Stranger Things. Um, next. What would you rate it out of 10 so far, big fella? Uh, season two, I'd say, would be like a nine or a nine and a half. I really liked season two. Yeah, agreed it, there. It, it lost it slightly because uh, there was one episode where they put a lot of attention on like some misfits that one of them was trying to fit in amongst, which I got why they were doing it. It just wasn't for me. It, it felt misplaced in that season. But other than that, excellent, excellent season of television for me. So. Uh, with that in mind, into season three, I'd say that it's still like a like an eight. But removing season removing season three, boom, easy easy eight and a half to nine. Cool. Well, I will definitely add that to my watch list. Yeah, we'll get there eventually. Definitely, definitely do that. Uh, just, Seth, Far Cry Six. Oh, what? I was just going to uh, give uh, Steve a warning that just be prepared that season four is um. <laughs> Every episode is movie length. They're at least an hour, an hour and a half long, and some of the final episodes in the first half of season four get to like two and a half, three hours long. Looks like I will be uh, splitting those episodes in half, so I get twice as many episodes. <laughs> True. Um, oh, uh, I realized the Game of Thrones thing that I mentioned. It was interesting on some interviews, particularly with the production crew of Game of Thrones, saying that for each episode for this television series. They basically had to treat it like it was its own feature length movie, which is certainly the case here as well. But goddamn, to do that for an extra hour or hour and a half, that's two feature length movies for one episode that like the production schedule for those longer episodes must be insane. Yeah, they've got to be really insane and like super expensive to make two. Yeah, I reckon it probably cost them at least five dollars. At least half broccoli, half a kilo of broccoli. 
Maybe, maybe that's what they paid now. everyone in. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, it'll become anyway. an extra just so I can get fresh greens. Uh, Cry 6. Yeah, true. Bar Cry 6. Seth. Yeah, so. You finished um, it. Yeah, Spoiler I finally away. finished the game. Um, well, I, I streamed the entire story, basically, and uh, I spent the. I spent some time off stream just going around doing some things to make sure that the um the stream experience ran smoother. So I just went and got like more fast travel points. I took out any anti-aircrafts uh missiles that were around so that we could just fly to every area. You uh, you also can't uh, the, the faster way to uh fast travel around is to go to your fast travel points and airdrop in instead so you can use the wingsuit and parachute. To just like fly from the fast travel point to where your objective is, and you can't do that. Is that fun? But it is. It's extremely fun. Would 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 you say um, fast travel lounge? Perhaps. No, it's a fast travel suit. But do you Can use you- the suit to go onto a lounge? Yeah. You do not. There are no lounges in this game, unfortunately. Actually. Actually, why are wait, we, why are we talking can, about Far Cry Six? You can put a lounge on in the front of your car as a barricade. So what? I guess that counts. Yeah. That'd be a fast travel lounge. I'll allow it. And yeah, um, uh, you can't do that airdrop feature though if um the anti-aircraft uh, missiles are still active in those areas. Um, so yeah, just had to make sure that uh, those were all taken out so that um we could get through the story missions a lot faster on on the actual stream. Um, and it did make the overall experience a lot smoother and more fun. So that was a good thing. Um, so yeah, last time I left off, I think I was about halfway through the second of three groups that you have to recruit. And it, uh, the second group's interesting because they have a transgender character in there and they, they, uh, they handled them very well up to a certain point. And that certain point for me was, um, that, uh, they had to make sure that you knew a character was evil because uh, they start misgendering the character and like uh, just <laughs> going into full transphobia mode, and I'm like, okay, I get it. You were doing this very well, but now you've um you've kind of soiled the bag, has soiled the whole storyline because um you you've decided that the evil person has to be transphobic, and that just kind of um undermines the issue of representation to me. It's like a cheap shot. So you're saying it's like a cheap shot type of thing, like. Yeah, basically. Oh, I mean, I'm, my voice is going as well. But it's like, yeah, it's easier to put a, a transgender person in there and be like, whoop, the bad guy, of course, misgenders them. That makes them bad. And yeah. it's just sort of like a. It feels that, really cheap yeah. doing that. It's, a, it's, an, it's an, easy, an easy win for them to be like, no, of course he's a bad guy, didn't you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, after. Uh, but it's not. Uh, as soon as they start being transphobic, someone murders them as well. Um, so. Damn. Uh, right after that, um, we start going against, um, this doctor that's been, um, basically they're the type of, uh, they, this doctor's like, um, uh, experimenting with, um, uh, drugs that'll like, um, basically poisoning people and doing chemical warfare. And I think they're also like a, a gay conversion, a sort of doctor as well. Because, uh, with the transphobia storyline also came a, um, storyline of, um, uh, people in Yara aren't accepting of gays and transphobic uh, trans people, and they have like um, gay conversion camps and like just uh, areas that'll try and set people straight. Um, so I believe this doctor is part of that group, and 
Yeah, so he becomes uh, the main antagonist of that second storyline. He does some fucked up shit like put a bomb inside your character and you got to kind of deal with that for a mission. And while you're tripping out, um, the final the final confrontation with him, he poisons you again. And I didn't even realize I murdered him because he you're hallucinating like 10 different doctors in the room together and I was just blasting through them all until... Like, one of them was actually him, and I escaped the room. So, yeah, a bit, bit of a letdown in that regard. Um, it, it just kind of ended abruptly, I found. But um, also, while you're doing that, um, that uh, hallucination trip, he's doing the vast speech about insanity and stuff, but he's twisted it a little bit. Um, I Oh, like the insanity just doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, like the vast... Um, yeah. Yeah, that that yeah. speech. He twisted it a little bit. Um, I can't remember exactly how he twisted. That's that's on me. But yeah, it it was very much going for that same sort of thing. Um, and that that was an interesting thing to do as well. Um, there, there's a lot of um vast callbacks in this game. Um, they they're very much doing that for a reason that I'll get to later. <laughs> yeah. So once he was done. Um, I moved on to the last group of characters that I needed to recruit, which was um, they set it up as you're getting these uh, legendary um, uh, gr- uh, rebels from 1967, and uh, they're all still alive and kicking, and they've just been hiding out on this mountain, just letting the letting uh, uh, Yara uh, go as it pleases because they think that their fight's over. And in the middle of that, you also find a new group of uh, like young rebellious spirits that are um doing things their way and everyone else kind of disagrees with how extreme they're getting but they're they feel like it's necessary and you just kind of like bring those two groups together and um like try to get them into your uh, rebel group um that that group was overall my favorite in terms of story they do a lot of um really good things with that but also (laughs) Also, they decide to swap out the evil American that's uh, sponsoring and funding um, the evil group, and they replace it with an evil Canadian funding um, uh, Esposito. Um, Patrick, how do you feel about that sort of representation? Um, well, I mean, you know, good to good to get a player in the game. Uh, would be good if we weren't evil. Yeah, um, I feel like they use it as a. It's another thing where they use it as an excuse to get away from the trope of it being an evil American, but at the same time, it's still like a North American funding this yeah, thing. At, at the same time, you still have to pay the North American voice actor the same amount. Yeah, exactly. Um, and during the final mission where you're coming up to murder him, um, he's he's talking over the radio to you about how um, every nation is built on like uh, blood and terror and everything. And he even says that even in Canada, look up what we've done to our natives and um, cool. how our country was built. That's uh, <laughs> given because mm. th- there's been a large push for that kind of. Um, there's been a lot of stories relating to that in the media more recently. But I, I want to say that Far Cry Six would have been before a lot of that, or at least before I saw a lot of that from New Zealand. Maybe it was always that big in Canada, but yeah, no, it's, it's- been going for a while in Canada. Oh, no, no, no. I don't doubt that. But I'm saying um, it's interesting that, uh, to me at least, living on the New Zealand side of that, that uh, 
I would have thought it would have been the other way around that uh, Far Cry that I I would have um, heard about the like the Canadian news stories relating to that before Far Cry Six. But given when Far Cry Six came out, to me, I've now heard about those in reverse, which is just interesting. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, Did the evil Canadian say sorry at all? Uh, he he makes a joke about that. Oh, okay, good. He, mm, of course, classic. Yeah, he, he makes a joke trope. about how Canadians are the, uh, aren't Yankees because they, uh, they're like Yankees, but they say sorry after everything. D- does he then go to Tim Hortons and watch a hockey game? No, there's no, there's no Tim Hortons and Yara. I tried looking. Um, <laughs> Absolutely devastating. Did you, did, did you, did you try uh, looking it up like online in case someone else had found it and you just hadn't yeah, found it might, yet? You might have missed it. Yeah, it's probably in a real secret location. My cousin that works at Ubisoft told me about it. You haven't found it yet. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll have, you to have to. Look at- you have to get a hundred percent save and then erase it and oh, then redo that. it. Have, with have you no seen armor what you weapons. need to do to a hundred percent save a Ubisoft game? Wait, wait. Well, did Ubisoft you- games are probably so, so many fucking collectibles. So when when you bought Far Cry Six, did you pay extra for the Prima strategy guide or not? I didn't get a strategy guide. No. Oh well, then. Ugh. No wonder you, you haven't found Tim Hortons. God, <laughs> I didn't buy the game either. Oh, I'm calling I, the I police. I got it gifted. <laughs> I got it gifted oh, from rats. the girl. I got it gifted from the girlfriend. Mm. Um. Anyway, man, um, remember those premium strategy guides? Man, they don't. Oh. I still um, have my Pokemon Emerald one. Yeah, they, I've still got all my Pokemon ones as well. God, they still smell good. Um, I have a quick the, cheeky the, sniff. The evil, <laughs> the evil Canadian also throws in you the. You could joke. have said anything about the content, but no, you went for the smell. They have the. I don't know. Maybe it's just a smell of nostalgia. It probably doesn't even smell anymore. But it, it's got like a. I don't know what it is. It's, it just smells I, like I school love, holidays and I love the idea of you just leaving shit in between the pages to just give it that aroma of a Prima strategy guide. No, I don't, I don't literally shit in it. Like, it's literally just, it's just like I open it up and I have a big whiff every I, now and then. I, 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 I didn't claim you shit. did, but now I'm worried. <laughs> uh, anyway, Seth, you were saying? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> the other thing um, that the evil Canadian does that just makes me kind of cringe in like there's the same type of thing of the transphobia thing. Well, not not exactly because um I feel like the transphobia thing is kind of like um kind of missing the point. While this is just like a bad joke. Um the the um resistance group that you're with is called Libertar, and uh, so they have the Canadian guy call people Libertards. Um, so that that's just, kind of funny. That Edgy. just that just kind of made me like put my face in my palm for a little bit that they went there. <laughs> um, uh, he's the only person where you get a choice if they're going to if you're going to kill them or not as well. Um, I don't think overall it has any effect on the story or gameplay. It's just like, um, in the moments your uh, what your moral choice would be. It's either you let him live and uh, um he he promises to fund. Uh, your resistance, or you just can just kill him on the spot and um uh, like take out take out like his type of person. Do you do you offer him the Batman choice of you either die a villain or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain? Wait, hang on. <laughs> it, he he he'll have to live long enough to see himself become the hero, and I feel like he'd hate that. <laughs> well, that's why you do it, right? <laughs> just to just to fuck with him. <laughs> Yeah. Um. So some the past the time. So I I just as soon as a choice came up, I just shot him in the face. Uh, because <laughs> because his entire character has been a scumbag up to that point. So I felt like he didn't like on a moral on every moral fiber of my being, I could not let him live. <laughs> um. 
And even though I shot him in the face, it acts like he got shot in the leg and he's just sitting there, like, in agony over being shot. I'm like, I shot you in the head. You should be dead. So I put, I put another bullet in there and that killed him. That's like, um, uh, yeah, no, I just, <laughs> that's, that's one of those things that uh, Deathloop, which I talked about last week, shout out to episode 30. Was that last week? That was last week, right? Yep, that was yeah, last that week. Was last okay. week. Okay. Oh, had a mild existential crisis there. Um, yeah, where it's just like, <laughs> would you like to um, let this person live? or And then just without even skipping a beat, like, nah, shoot. <laughs> yeah, there, there is no point to letting them live. Absolutely none. No advantage. Although at least in Deathloop, at least in Deathloop, there's no cutscene where they play out being in agony. They just die. <laughs> Unceremoniously, life ended. Um, so that brings us, after getting all three groups set together, you start going towards the end game where the resistance is going to attack the capital city. But um, before that, um, Anton Castillo, the main villain, uh, he um offers he kind of offers an olive branch towards the um resistance. So the resistance leader goes to um uh, go to have like a proper conversation with him. Oh, that and sounds like a trap. Yeah, they start waving the death yeah, flags almost instantly with her as well. Um. And yeah, she she does end up dying. Um, you go to his uh, private. Whoa, so I whoa, whoa I, well, I don't need to play that anymore. Wow, Steve, you told me before the I'm podcast joking, you I was have never no play interest. <laughs> um, yeah, I so was never gonna play this game. You you go you have to uh, sneak onto his private island. Um, because <laughs> you figure he she's being held hostage, and um, uh, once you get there, he he kind of like invites you to like sit down, have dinner. He's um and there will be no lies at his dinner table um, sort of thing. So he's just up front with you. He has leukemia um, or cancer. Uh, yeah, leukemia. And um, he's he's going to be dying in like six months. Um, and the only reason he has a child is so that he has an heir uh, to follow up um, his legacy. Uh, that makes sense. That's just that standard <laughs> legacy building, I guess. Yeah, standard villain 101, really. Yeah. Besides, if it if it was up to him, he wouldn't have a chill child because he hates children. Um, then he um he passes on the question to his son, who's like, I can't answer because you said uh, you don't want lies at the table, sort of thing. And um, the person that you uh came to the um to the man to the mansion with, he's like hiding off uh, in the distance, uh, ready to take out um Castillo with a sniper, but he can't get a um sight on him. So he decides he's going to try and shoot the kid instead. Smart. Smart. That's what I'd do. Yeah. So um, uh, you, you keep talking over the radio, like trying to talk him out of it. But as soon as he goes to take the shots, um, your character, Danny, um, uh, jumps in the way of the bullet, uh, like dives and knocks the kid out of the way of the bullets. And uh, as soon as that happens, Casillo gets up and shoots um, the resistance leader in the head and um, takes her out and then um, starts running with the kid to escape. And yeah, so she dies off and uh, honestly, I felt like her death in general, I wasn't invested in. Like when a character dies in the story, it's supposed to hit hard because you're like invested in their character or um, like get attached to them. Um, hers was handled really poorly and her character kind of is non-existent throughout the game. She like takes you in through the prologue and then she's gone for the entire majority of the game, only showing up after you've done all the hard work to recruit these free resistance groups. And then she comes in and is like, welcome to resistance sort of thing. 
<laughs> I mean, um, at that point, you might as well just shoot it yourself. Yeah, exactly. Um, just take all her belongings, which kind of happens because she gives you her gun. Um, which before I, she dies or after she dies? Before she dies. Before she even goes to go talk to Castillo. She's like, yeah, I know this is a trap. Here's my gun. So what was for dinner? Uh, I think it was just steak. Probably Krispy Kreme. Oh. Krispy Kreme. You get to the villain's private island and he's just like, here, enjoy this Tim Hortons that <laughs> I, only I know about because of the Prima Strategy Guide. I, I like Tim Hortons, that. no, you're the super secret Krispy Kreme within the some- Tim Hortons. <laughs> That, that Canadian guy was very, very pushy about having a Tim Hortons next to the capital city. On his private island. On the private island, even, yes. Underground. <laughs> next, yeah, that, to, next to the nuclear test site. Yeah, and then after, after that, you just go straight into the final mission of um, invading the capital city, uh, killing basically what's left of the private military group, and uh, confronting Castillo and his son at, in their... Um, their penthouse room, like where they uh, run everything, and basically uh, from that point on, yeah, it just goes. It, once you reach him, nothing. It, it just it's just the ending of the game. There, um, one hundred percent. It's not the ending of the game. You can there's still like a, a million other collectibles to get, a bunch of upgrades. I'm assuming I haven't played. Tim Hortons to find. Four, I, I was yeah. going. I was going to dance around it, but just straight up, the end of the game is um, Castillo like. Uh, has a heart to heart with Danny to like s- see if he's um if there's he asks like straight up uh, if um if it uh if I die will you protect my son and you um you promise yes because like throughout the entire game you've had multiple instances of running into Diego and um uh, he's protected wait wait, wait 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 like Dora's cousin Diego uh yeah yeah Dora's cousin Diego <laughs> he he kind of hit. After, Swiper, after, no swiping. After after Go Diego Go ended, he got uh pulled into <laughs> Cuba and turned into a small resistance leader. Uh, not I've resistance. Been, I've um, been saying this for years. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. Um. Castillo, you promised Castillo you'll protect this, uh, Diego because throughout the entire game you've had um instances of you protecting him or him protecting you. Not and to mention I- you feel bad because you said you'd protect Dora and you didn't after that whole fiasco. Yeah, yeah, definitely because of that as well. Um, but he calls you on he calls you out on that and <laughs> grabs his son. Oh, and he shoots knows him about Dora. The, he grabs it. He uh, Castillo grabs um uh, Diego and shoots him in the chest and then slits his own throat with his um uh, treasured uh grass cutting knife. And that's that's the end of the villains for you. Um, you you're offered that's it. Touch grass. You're offered <laughs> you're offered the throne of presidency over Yara, but you reject it and say that the um resistance groups can um uh, run Yara because you're not a politician. And it goes to a final cutscene where you like mourn the losses of um a bunch of characters, and then there is a post credit scene where uh one of your trusted companions is talking to Voss about um. Selling the supply of um of um vivero, which is a very important plant that's being grown throughout the game. So Vas is making a straight up comeback in the next Far Cry. One time it's funny, two times it's fucking annoying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So like, a, uh, give it to me straight. Like the collectibles and all the Ubisoft bullshit. How bad Ubisoft is it? Bullshit. What's the it's, diagnosis? Um. Terminal. I don't be- like okay. Let me rephrase it. Can you go more than 20 steps without you finding something? But like it's on your mini map, so your mini map looks fucked. <laughs> uh, your mini map is 
Okay. You say it doesn't exist. I'm coming over and no, punching. No, there's a mini map. <laughs> Mr. Ubisoft in the head. It's it's filled with a lot of shit because there's a lot of um like um pickups for um like crafting material sort of things. Like you pick up bits oh, of metal, so even bits of plastic. Oh, okay, no, yeah. okay, you can put it down. Put it down. <laughs> put it back in. It's not done yet. I'm not touching um, it. Yeah. Oh, uh, there, there's also chests that unlock weapons and uh, armor. And then there's the usual Ubisoft stuff of like, here's a urn you got to collect or here's a side mission that you can do. Or, um, yeah, and the side missions treasures. are the same. Like, yeah, go from point A to point B, shoot 10 people. That's it. Yeah. Um, and you've got of. like a lot of those, the towers and to, oh, look, now you can unlock I, part of the map. Yeah. I didn't do a God, lot of, I, hate I didn't do a lot of side quests, but I mentioned that I did the outside, the um crossover side quest with Danny Trejo. Rambo and uh, Stranger yeah, Things. Yeah, that, that, sound, that did of, sound very cool. Yeah, and a lot of those devolved into defend uh, defend a point against a wave of enemies that uh, will come running at you. It was yeah. the Stranger Things uh, DLC that was more of a um a bit of a linear storyline where you go through like a proper path, do some story stuff, and it had a wave defense thrown in the middle of it. Of course it does. But um, yeah, overall it was a very enjoyable game. It's um. I'm not really big on open world games, but I did enjoy playing through this um, with Trinity all the way through. Um, co-op always makes a game better. True. And in general, mm. in general, just I think this was one of the more enjoyable open world Ubisoft games I've played in a while. What was, when what, was the last one you what played? Was that? What was that hmm from you, Steve? I, uh, I am not a big fan of co-op. I just find having to rely on someone else. I, once you're in the game, it's fine, but like just organizing it and when you're a busy person or like both person's schedules are fucked and it's like, oh, we can only play for like one and a half hours. Well, we, um, we had it basically know. scheduled out that we were playing it every uh, Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe just I've had a couple of bad experiences trying to get friends like to play together and it's just, it just either never happens or we play for like an hour and a half or we get through like two levels of the game and put it down. I don't know. But power to you if you can organize it. Power to you. Uh, but yeah, um, also for the last uh, Ubisoft game I played, um, I think the last one I played was... Uh, I, I played Far Cry 5 for a little bit and I wasn't really too keen on that. Before that was probably Assassin's Creed Unity, which was also quite shit. Um, the last one I enjoyed before Far Cry 6 was probably Assassin's Creed 4. Did you Black play Bone? Origins or? I haven't played. Yeah, Black I, Bone. I haven't played Origins or um the newer ones. No, I kind of avoided Odyssey them. Or Viking. Yeah. They're different. They are very different. I heard they went um, more of a Witcher route for those games. Yeah, they, they did. did. I've, well, I've only played Origins, but th- they did. You are right. Yeah, it's more action RPG, but it, it still falls into the open world bullshit. Yeah, I played Watch Dogs they, they One as well right. when that released, and I wasn't. Oh, it, that was that was okay, but it wasn't great. <laughs> Okay is the perfect game. I've never heard of a game being more of a 5 out of 10 than Watch Dogs. Yeah, 5, 6 out of 10, <laughs> like really. Is, no, no, it's just flat 5. Like, it's okay. It does some things. Like, and it's like, okay. It's not bad at them, but it doesn't do anything new or interesting or fun. So what, what yeah. about, what about Watch Dogs 2? Um, I don't know. I've got it downloaded on my Xbox. I've, I got it for like 9 bucks, like two years ago. It's sort of just sitting there. Because I know that tonally it's very different to Watch Dogs 1, but... Uh, I don't know if I, I think people broadly enjoyed it more, but it also was trying to do something very different to Watch Dogs One, so I don't know. Yeah. Oh, all right, Seth, close us off. Yeah. So out of ten, out of ten, I'd probably give it a seven and a half. Yeah, seven and a half Oof. feels right to me. 
It, it was very. <laughs> as it long was, as it feels right to you, Bicola. Yeah, it was very enjoyable to play through, but there was a couple of like. Uh, story overall was fine, but there's a couple of moments in there that were a bit of a letdown. So, yeah, um, docking a few points for those. Unlucky. Looks like it was a far cry from perfect, eh? Patrick, well, please tell episode. me you had something that's- else to talk about <laughs> so we can skip Stephen a little longer. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, it was supposed to go back to Steve here. You can blame Josh for not showing up for that one. Um, Yay. But, uh, I, uh, unless, unless we want to try hitting Sunbreak now, but then, oh, no, I might as well. Let me, we, let me we, talk. Let we me can talk. talk about Sunbreak and then go for a break and into the news. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you think. <laughs> um, Mass Effect. Steve, unfortunately, I have a yes. vested interest in discussing this because Mass Effect is one of my favorite series, Surf, so... We gotta have to let him speak. Sorry. Ah, oh, fine. Yay. I'll cut it in post. <laughs> well, whatever happens, happens. I'm just gonna talk, and if you guys listen, you guys listen. So essentially, so, uh, I'm much in the same vein, Pat. Like Mass Effect is probably one of my favorite game series of all time. Um, I'm so glad they finished at three and didn't do any other games after. I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, a perfect. It's they, a perfect trilogy, honestly. Yeah, can't, can't yeah, wait for I, Mass I, Effect I, Four coming mean, out later. Wait, didn't they that, also that's make the joke, the, big fella? That's they, the joke. Didn't they also make Mass Effect Inquisition? That's Dragon Age, big fella. <laughs> I know that was the joke. <laughs> they oh. they did two bad uh, sequels to games that could have. Inquisition up. was good. Inquisition was good. Right. Anyway, <laughs> wanking off Bioware aside, um, <laughs> like Mass Effect is like my one of my favorite series. I finished all games like three times doing just various different playthroughs and yep. Renegade or Paragon runs. Yep. Um, it's just, I love, I love the story. I love the characters. Um, I love everything about it. So I did, I didn't want to get into the legendary edition, um, which is like the remaster, the remaster thing that came out uh, 2020, I believe. Oh my God. Has it been two years? I, surely it was last year. Oh, it doesn't really matter. I'm pretty um, sure it was last year, last year, sort of May ish. I, I really hope it wasn't 2020. It doesn't feel like it's been that long, but pandemic time but is a time warp anyway yeah uh, anyway so it's come to it, well, it came to game pass quite a while ago um so i've sort of just sort of been letting it simmer and then i had a actually when i was watching the halo tv series i had like a a yearning almost for a sci-fi adventure and i'm like you know what i really like mass effect put her on fella uh, yeah, speaking, so, uh, speaking of sci-fi sex scenes <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. Oh, I'll get into that in a bit. Actually, does the does the M seven um, suit jack you off? You don't need to. You've got a lot of um hot alien babes on your ship, or, or dudes. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, in the, from Mass Effect two, you it's you can pretty much they're on your ship. They're free game. But yeah, just, so, just, so anyway. just guys being dudes. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so essentially, <laughs> like the just as a broad sort of introduction, the Mass Effect Legendary Edition is a uh, putting together in a bit of a remake and a bit of a hasty texture pack of Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. Mm. It is... Um, it, well, I am playing it on Xbox, so maybe it's a bit different on PC, and you can probably correct me on this. It is um, different as it sort of serves as like a, a launcher, but you can download each um, game individually, if that makes sense. So you download the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, then it comes up, then you've got one, two, and three, and you've got to like install them separately instead of an all in one package, which I thought was strange and uh, just held me up an extra an hour while it downloaded Mass Effect. Um, <laughs> yeah, but anyway, it's just a weird nitpicking thing. But yeah, so I, I went, went back into Mass Effect one and they've done a fair like amount of changes. They've balanced the combat a bit. 
more. Um, you can pretty much tell they've taken the the health bar that was in two and three and put that into one because when one came out, it was like an Xbox 360 exclusive and no one was really sure how it was going to work because it was one of the first like third-person cover shooters, but it was like trying to do an RPG type of thing. And what they've done is like pretty good, <clears throat> in my opinion anyway. Mm. Uh, but to give a broad strokes to the, the story, you're essentially like a... A human commander, Commander Shepard, that uh, essentially stumbles on a a plot of a super sentient um, alien robots from like 50,000 years ago, and they're coming in to extinguish all life. But humanity is, it takes place in like what, uh, the 2100s or something. And yeah, 2021, 80-ish, I think. Yeah, roughly around there. And humanity found a... Uh, a relic of a past civilization, the Protheans, on Mars, and this unlocked a uh, bunch of technology through Mass Effect fields, which is hence the name, and it sort of introduced uh, humanity to, to the wider galaxy. And there's like a bunch of different aliens, and the aliens have been there for like an extended period of time, and humanity's trying to find their place. And then here comes Shepard, and there's this plot from the Reapers to sort of come in and eliminate all life. Um, essentially, and no one's like, no one really believes him because it's like, I don't see any robots, where are they? But it's it's really good. The story is really engaging. The voice acting is fantastic. Um, they've really improved the graphics from Mass Effect 1, um, and, but it does suffer from a lot of, oh, yeah, that was really shit back in 2007 as well. Like, it, the, <laughs> the, walk, the walk speed is really slow. The corridors are pretty much the same. And when mm. you're doing a side mission, it's essentially... Uh, go to a planet, um, get dropped off in the Mako, which is this all-terrain vehicle, which is an absolute shit fight to control. Um, Getting into the Mako for the first time in Mass Effect 1 is what turned me off ever playing that game properly. (laughs) I loved it when I played it when I was, like, what, 15, 16, because I I loved that sense of you can look at the planet um, because you're in the the galaxy map. Not being able to drive in a straight line. Yeah. Well, like, this is like, just like when I get behind the wheel of a real car. Patrick, there's nothing straight <laughs> in my ju- life. <laughs> <laughs> hey um, Got him. But essentially, so essentially, you're in the galaxy map and you can like click on a planet and it comes up with a bit of text about like a bit of history of the planet. Like if it's an ice giant, if like there's a human corporation that sort of staked a claim. And then when you land on it, you're in the make and you can do a bit of like exploration and like the... And if you do have a mission there, you can sort of like drop yourself off at the mission zone and go onto a base and essentially uh, no survivors type of thing. Mm. The Mako does control like hot shit. They did. It doesn't control like a car <laughs> or any type of like it vehicle. It doesn't control it just contr- correctly at all. Yeah. It, it, there's, <laughs> on, there's no like sense of gravity on planets. So like even if you're on a small planet or a big planet, it drives the same. If you have to turn, you have to, it doesn't drift or anything. It sort of tries to turn like it's wheels. It's fucking shit. I hate it. It's the worst part of the game. And I can sort of understand why you get turned off it. Um, but that's, you literally got filtered, Seth. Try harder next time. Yeah, I think I, I was also know. borrowing the game and it's just like, I don't have the time to play this and put up with the bad vehicle. I'll just give it back to Actually, who no, I borrowed I'm, it from. I'm calling Josh out on this. I lent Josh uh, Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 like 10 years ago. And he lent me ba- he lent me Final Fantasy Thirteen in exchange. I had that game for like six months, and I played it, and I loved it. And he didn't even touch those Mass Effect games. I'm fucking calling him out. <laughs> Man, um, I can't believe you guys just traded bad games with each other. What do you mean? Those are all good games. 
I don't trust the opinion of someone that likes 13 and 15. Mm, that's obviously a discussion for another time when I involve my friend Mr. Brick in your head. Also, can I just say while we're, while we're on the topic of Final Fantasy games that I absolutely hate the name of the uh, the vehicle being Mako because it just constantly reminds me of people saying the Final Fantasy VII Marco name incorrectly. Like, so many people say- I think that you're, you're, literally, you're literally getting angry over nothing, man. Yeah, like, yeah, I am 100% being angry over nothing for you. this. But it's Marco and I hate when people call it Mako. It, it happens so much. Anyway, I'm just going to ignore that. <laughs> Listen, um, this is the only context you're getting out of me for the Mass Effect discussion. <laughs> okay, good. Um, but I, I've gone, oh, when I was like 15, 16 in my edgier years, um, I did always go like the, the renegade or like the bad, like the bad boy playthrough and always picking the, the rude dialogue, some might say. Um, and holy shit, it's so face. fucking... It's so fucking cringe. It's literally like you're telling everybody fuck off and like you don't <laughs> believe me. And it's like, you know what? I'm just going to gas this room. What are you going to do about it? Well, it's like the, so it's cringe. The, they, they I definitely, mean, what do people they, do about it? <laughs> they, they sit there and they watch. Um, they definitely made it better in Mass Effect 2 and 3, but Mass Effect 1, it's, it's so self-defeating to be renegade because it's like... I can kind of see where Bioware is coming from, right? Because you have a choice of, do you want to do something good and therefore find out more of the story or do you not? That's kind of your two choices. And the renegade choice is always, I don't care about this. I'm going to go do something else. And so half the time it's just like, oh, okay, you don't care. And then, and then they just stop talking and you never find out any more story <laughs> context. Yeah, you can you can lock yourself out of like conversations or even quests. Out, or out of like, quests lock- even, yeah. Yeah, like, like it's like, I don't have time for this. Or like, I don't care. Give me my money. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, you... And you're standing up to be this hero of the galaxy, but you're literally like just like threatening people for more money. <laughs> so much and, of it's like, just no reason. It's just, hey, it just doesn't make sense. With this? Fuck off. <laughs> like, yes, that's pretty much it. Oh, cool. Five <laughs> renegade points. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it locked me out of, because I'm trying to get all the achievements, of course, because of the scumbag I am. So I'm playing on insanity difficulty. Nice. Um, oh, man, in Mass Effect 1, like insanity difficulty just means they turn up the the damage and the health bar of enemies up to like 10. So it's like, Oh, I've been hit twice. I'm down. Or, yeah. But with enemies, you have to throw like 40 fucking million times. Whew, just takes a bit of time. Yeah. Uh, but because I've gone the renegade option as well, like telling all my crew members, like, I don't care about you. Fuck off. I've locked myself out of the romance options, <laughs> which makes sense, but I've like missed the achievement and I'm like, Hmm, I have to go back. Uh, but I'll go back and play it on like narrative difficulty, but it's, but yeah, God, I love that game so much. The writing is fantastic. The story is really good. Um, I'll talk about Mass Effect 2 and 3 probably uh, as I finish them and I can compare and contrast. But what class God, did I you end up going so for for one? Or classes if you did it multiple times? Um, uh, the Adept, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you get like a couple of bi- biotic ones. Yeah, it, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Adept. I don't mind it. Uh, it's one of those things that like really the only... Difference comes in, like, if you're doing the soldier class, you get all the bonus uh, attributes to your weapons as opposed to having some powers. Like, you can, because the biotic powers essentially are just weird telekinetic powers that they explain through science. Um, but it, you can sort of break it in funny ways. Like, if you use, like, throw, you literally can punch an enemy, like, across the map. Um, and then you sort of get stuck and glitches out and you get stuck on that. And you have to mm. reload your save, but you saved like 20 minutes ago and you're sitting there like absolutely seething. Uh, 
But yeah, yeah, no, I, I did go adept. I did go adept. What do you, what do you think, Pat? I think you've a hundred percent of it as well. What, what were your I thoughts have. on it? Uh, well, like just Mass Effect one in general. In general, uh, so yeah, my, one. my my first playthrough of it was during the Legendary Edition last year or two years ago. I don't whenever oh, it came shit. out. Because um, I I never had an Xbox, and by the time it rolled around to PC, everyone said like. It's sort of past its prime and it'd be really hard to get. It's like I've never gotten into the Fallout series for the same reason. Everyone tells me Fallout 3 is good, but no one tells me Fallout 3 is good 10 years later. You know what I mean? Like of its time, it's fantastic. And if you played it yeah. when it was in its prime, it's, it's fantastic. But um, there have just been advances in how things are done since that have just made it so hard to approach having not played it the first time. And so when Legendary Edition came out, I was like, oh, perfect. I'll, I'll you know give this a go for the first time. And holy shit, do I regret not playing it sooner? My God. Like, yeah, I, admittedly, yeah. I admittedly, I, I got the good experience of it, right? Because I've only played the version with the quality of life upgrades and the handling fixes and the rebalancing and all the other bits and pieces. But um, the, the, story and, uh, the story and the narrative that this game does in the first game of the series, right? Like, I played Mass Effect 2 and 3, you know, years ago when they came out. But that was all having already... Uh, like the the world of Mass Effect had already been started in Mass Effect One, and to to have to so I, I I do not know what it would have been like to experience this for the first time in a completely new IP, a completely new universe. It's twenty one hundred, you know, like twenty one eighty, yeah yeah yeah. Um, here's all of this instantiation and world building in amongst a fantastic story, in amongst I assume for its time reasonably good gameplay. I don't think it was stellar by by any reports, but. Um, the whole yeah, package. Was, yeah, from what I remember, it was just different. Like it was RPG plus yeah, third yeah, person yeah. cover shooter, and they were sort of just inventing that genre then. Yeah. And so, and so to see where it is now with things like Uncharted Four and stuff, you you can see a lot of like where where things have taken inspiration from. But yeah, no, I I really liked uh, the Mass Effect One story, even um, even now. One of my favorite gameplay moments in the mass effect trilogy is talking to um uh uh the the vi on the protean planet right before the final showdown uh any um i want to say hal but that's that's um space odyssey the the vi on the pro on the hidden protean planet that tells you all about the kind of last days of the protean empire uh, uh that, yeah that's yeah that's sick yeah cypher um, i can't remember i uh, I honestly can't remember, but yeah, uh, but that that whole sequence I think is one of my favorite sequences in the trilogy, and it, it's just so it's 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 one of those like you're not doing anything right, like the gameplay isn't exciting at that point. You're just driving along a hallway, but you just have this um, kind of tingling uh, in in at least for me, like in the back of my neck of like what this like like where I am in in context to the story and in context to the history of this place like i'm a sucker for that kind of stuff like i love the premise and world building and all that sort of stuff so that whole sequence was awesome to me um uh, and other uh like other great moments uh all throughout it like i i really loved what they did and i loved even more how mass effect 2 and 3 built upon it and yeah you know people have issues with the ending of the trilogy with 3 and those issues are you know fair fair enough in the scheme of things yeah, but for what I, I, one I, is at some, least yeah yeah, I've got some takes on the ending, but I'll when, when I get to Mass Effect Three. We'll, yeah, 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 yeah. But we'll chat for, about a ten-year-old game. <laughs> but for what one is uh, or was, uh, it's it's excellent. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely fantastic. I 
cannot recommend the, it highly enough. The one thing that ruined it slightly for me from a gameplay perspective is that I went soldier for my insanity playthrough. And Ooh. if you just, if you spec into whatever the stim pack is, I forget which one it is, um, which ability aid, it, it is. Oh, I don't think it's first aid. It sounds more, maybe that's what it was in Mass Effect 1. It's been, it's weirdly, it's already been like a year, which is just crazy to think about in its own right. But um, the the skill that just means when you activate it, it uh, j like your guns do more damage. You, you, you basically have DR. Um, it, it's, 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 it's a straight up gun steroid. And so to have that with um, extra weapons handling and uh, eventually the exploding rounds gun, I forget what, what the name of it is, but the one that you can pick up from the Spectre store towards the end of the game, GG. <laughs> yeah, game. towards the end of the game, it, it does, um, yeah, you can sort of break it in a way. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying it's a downside, but I'm saying um, like for an insanity playthrough, I'm okay with cheesing it that way. But it is slightly disappointing that uh, from a pure efficiency standpoint, it felt to me like I could go through the game the fastest if I just picked Soldier, where it, because I knew that, it actively worked against me wanting to try other classes because they all felt like they would be slower to play through. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I 100% well, get what you mean because I've sort of got the same sort of thoughts. And I think back when I did my first Insanity playthrough in like 2013 or whenever I finally did it, I did do the same sort of thing. Like I went soldier class. Um, you pick up like a couple of weapons, you put a couple of like weapon mods on it. Like the, the I think it's the one, like the assault rifle with the, Exploding damage plus poison, and yeah. that's it. Like, yeah, you're done. something like that. Yeah, that that's that's yeah. sounding familiar. But you're yeah, rolling I, I I played through Mass Effect One three times. The Insanity one was Renegade Soldier. Uh, one of them I think was an Infiltrator, possibly, and one of them would have been more Biotic, but I don't remember the class names because I know they changed from one to two. Um, but yeah, no, um, massive fan of one, and yeah, can't wait to talk about two and three because that that was the bread and butter of, of high school and uh, yeah, more actively yeah, stick I, out because of the it. nostalgia glasses. Yeah, and the, the, the soundtrack is really good as well. They, they do something a bit different in Mass Effect 1 than what they do 2 and 3, like it's more uh, synthwave. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's good. I highly recommend everybody go out and play the Mass Effect series. Mm. And with the Legendary uh, Edition on Game Pass, there's no <laughs> reason not to. Well, Legendary Edition is still pretty cheap, I think, even now. Uh it does well, go on I, sale. Like I think it was just before it came to Game Pass, it dropped down to like thirty bucks. Um, and I think it was actually I think it was Josh convinced me that he's like, no, it's coming to Game Pass, bro. It'll be on like that through EA Play, and I'm like, oh, will they do it? And then yeah, they did. like uh, in in Steam now, it's only forty bucks New Zealand. So uh, oh, because it's on sale. <laughs> Speaking yeah, well, of, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely worth it. Yeah, um, release date like fifteen May twenty twenty one. Boom. So only no, a year old. Yeah, it's been a year. Wow. Time flies when you're having fun. Crazy year. But yeah. No. Awesome. Awesome game. Just the 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 whole um introduction of the Reapers uh and you know what the Reapers are. Awesome. I'm yeah. I if if there was a game built in a universe that I really love and want to explore more, it's it's Mass Effect. <laughs> Yep, 100%. Yeah, there's so many other things they can do, and I can't wait for whatever they do with the next Mass Effect game, which should be coming out eventually. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, eventually is one more... way to put it. Yeah. 
Anything more you want to add to Mass Effect 1? Uh, no, I reckon I'll probably, like, the the combat itself can get a bit tedious. So I'll probably only give it an 8 out of 10, but that uh, the game part of the game is brings it down, but the narrative part of the game... Brings it um, up. And the, yeah, and the, the choices you can make and how these choices get represented in the future games coming forward because you can't look at it as one package anymore because yes. what you Very do in true. Mass Effect 1 and your choices you make carry on um, and they get like constantly referenced and Ashley uh, even like little side quests. Yeah, sorry. A- A- Ashley or Caden? Uh, oh, Ashley. Fair. Uh, kill yeah. or save right now, Queen? Uh, killed. Well, I renegade, so I killed everything that moved. Yeah, but, oh, um, right. Apart from the- yeah. Sure, but like like what, what like that, that, that's what you did do, right? Like I understand having to play, play to your, to your um, personality <laughs> trope. Alignment. <but> what- <laughs> yeah, it's your alignment. But what, what, um, what was your preferred outcome from both? I'm assuming you've, you've played through, you've played yeah, through no, both, I, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I prefer to save. Like it just it, narratively, like for Shepard, it makes more sense to be like, you know what? I don't feel like committing genocide today. <laughs> As opposed <laughs> when, to when genocide shows up, my uh, shows up at my door, I say genocide, no genociding. <laughs> yeah, like it's yeah, and they had that full conversation, and it's like, well, I've been bred in captivity. Can you let me go? And Shepard's like, no, nope, you're getting gassed. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's <laughs> and, and he has like he has that like sickening smile too, and he's just like shouldn't have uh, shouldn't have tried to colonize the universe at one stage. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> my, yeah, like my a thousand years tied. ago before my time. Yeah, a thousand <laughs> years ago, like you were causing problems. Oh, so yeah. actually, one one final thing, just because it's real funny. Um, the the relative lifespans of everything trip me the fuck out. So yes, Solarians. Yeah. Solarians have a lifespan. So actually, Seth, even if you haven't played Mass Effect, you can you can still get in on this. So Solarians have a lifespan of like fifty odd years, right? They they yeah they have like they they they're born. They have like a reproduction contract, and then they and then they die, right? Yeah, Basically, they get married. Yeah, they they're pretty much just like no, nah, we've got to continue our gene pool, and that's it. Yeah, humans 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 are going to human. You know, eighty to one hundred years, whatever. I'm assuming technology's advanced. That's fine. Turians, I actually don't know, but I think they're in roughly the same ballpark. But Asari. <laughs> Asari yeah. can live for up to a thousand years. How buzzy must it be to like like a thousand years from where we are right now, right? We were fighting over like castles and shit. Like a thousand years ago was before the events of Assassin's Creed 1, which I assume is historically accurate. <laughs> but that was literally but- what set off everything, right? But, it, but the idea of like- It was just a historical let, retelling of those events, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what I assumed it was. Uh, that's why there were all those walk around and follow people quests. Um, and why they, you like just despawn <laughs> out of existence if you walk out of a certain part of the map when you're not supposed to. Or, or if you try and swim. <laughs> yeah. Just, no, just, yeah, just like right. in the real that's 1100s, right. This was, this you was pre-swimming technology. <laughs> yeah. um, but just imagine being an Asari for a sec. You, you've already interacted with the Solarians and the Turians and the Volus and the, and the, the Krogan. Like, you're aware of all, yeah. m- most of the races in the universe, uh, in the galaxy. And then suddenly, the, like, humans, over the span of, like, maybe a hundred, like, 200 years, let's say. In 200 years, they go from um, exploring their atmosphere to landing on the moon to landing on Mars to finding a protean relic to exploring the galaxy. There are Asari that just are that, that have just like been alive long enough to have experienced that entire curve that's nuts <laughs> yeah like it wigs you out as well because like liara one of your own party members is only like 50 or something 
and like she's like a world renowned or oh, sorry, a universe oh, renowned she, she, scholar. She, she's like a hundred like expert. No, no, at Mass Effect One, she's like fifty. Uh, it, it's even younger. Shoot, mental. okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I'm but, pretty sure. Well, fact check me, fact check me, but yeah, but I. It's she's still young. pretty young. I, I, I know that she's young. I know that she's young. Yeah, but it, yeah. Just the, the idea that like the equivalent of being like five or ten. Um, let's let let's it, say that let let's say that you're an Asari and you have one kid when you're let's say 500 years old, right? Like I don't I don't know if that's representative or not because you know as, assuming life like technology gets better and all this other stuff, the idea that you can have one line of Asari of like six generations or like let's say ten ten generations would be the length of time from the pyramids to now. Whew. Yeah. And they, and they of course, because it's Bioware and you can romance and sleep with everything. They also <laughs> cover like, like Asari can only have Asari children because um, it's like a weird bonding ritual thing, but they all yeah. look like busty females with tentacles on their heads. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. And then, kinda- the, uh, and then you get to the and then you get to the Liara interaction in Mass Effect Three, where it's like, what do the tentacles take? Uh, what do the tentacles feel like? And Liara's like, I am never going to tell you. <laughs> if, if you want to take like the medieval approach to this, it kind of reminds me of like vampire stories. Like in Castlevania, Alucard interacts with multiple generations of the Belmont family. Um, yeah, all of that kind of stuff. It's yeah, I don't know. I I I enjoy the kind of the the existential crises of time. And and what that means for like lifespans and durations of things. Yeah, and definitely like with the human concept of time. Well, time's a social construct anyway. I don't think it matters. But yeah, enough about Mass Effect. I could talk yeah. about it forever. Let's make yeah, a Mass yeah. Effect podcast, Pat. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. In we'll depth, it- why we hate Batarians. <laughs> part part one of thirty. Um, we'd, we'd, we'd call it. We'd call it faster travel lounge. Um, yeah, no. Um, we will leave Mass Effect there. Went a bit long. Sunbreak. Uh, Sunbreak, I'm kind of... Uh, I feel like we will talk about... I will hard cap this to 20 minutes because I feel like we're going to talk about it again next week anyway, hopefully with Josh back because I'm sure he has thoughts. But um, overall, I really should have thought about how to structure this. Uh, the good. The monsters are excellent. Um, the... Um, uh, the quality of life fixes to the combat are also excellent. Uh, switch skill changing, all of that good stuff. The two new areas are excellent. Um, overall, I'd say the expansion is excellent. Seth, is there any part that is not excellent to you? I cannot think of a single downside. <laughs> I'm at, cool. You put me on the spot and like I'm thinking, I'm like, no, I enjoy pretty much every... Okay, okay. Actually, I did think of one downside. Um, the main hub theme isn't as good as the Kimura Village one. And so when you get into the main menu, it's just playing the, um, the Elgato's new theme. And it's nowhere near as good as the original title screen music. Uh, Fair the, enough. Uh, you can get the original title screen music, but that involves you fast traveling back to Kimura and then exiting the game from there. So when you load back in, it's the good music. But that's just too much, <laughs> too much effort for my blood. Too much fast traveling around the lounge. I understand. Um, I, I will say actually on the back of that, the hub is the only downside because there are invisible walls fucking everywhere and yeah I, there are like i would have liked it, such like, a pain i would have liked it some uh, like if just the whole area was open to the point where you could just like wire bug between places um because i was trying to wire bug from um the top of the castle to where the ship is where you can go into your room and you can't and, yeah you can't it just blocks you you gotta yeah, like follow the path that's on the floor 
it's so weird. Like I I don't understand the I don't understand what they gain by stopping you from zipping around the the hub world. Like the yeah. whole like we said this right. Like it looked more vertical and it and yeah you know it is more vertical but, but just it's only more vertical <laughs> exactly because of three places that they let you be more vertical in. Um, the new areas. Uh, which of the two new areas, Citadel or Jungle, is your favorite? Citadel by a mile. Like Jungle's really cool, but Citadel is just so big and interesting, and it's got so many interesting-looking biomes around, and it's just a fun air. All the monsters in there are fun fights. All the new monsters. Is that a adding. Mass Effect reference? Yeah, it is. Yeah, they actually just took the Ooh, entire yeah. Citadel, and like you, you, you can fight keepers. Keepers are the monsters that you hunt now. Good fuck keepers. <laughs> Weird fuckers. Like Four eyes. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> the fucking spider looking That creature. is all the content Steve will provide to the Monster Hunter chat. <laughs> Go back uh, to I might your say tunnels. some funny things. <laughs> <laughs> I might say some funny things um, near or there. They, about they better be uh, funny, otherwise they're getting censored. Good. <laughs> um, it'll, just, it'll just be rude and people won't know. One, one thing that I, I will say that I'm happy to be wrong about, I was worried that the Citadel and Jungle were going to be so much better than the other areas that I wouldn't want to play on the other areas anymore if I had the option. The two new areas are fantastic, but they are still, they are different enough that I still appreciate going back to the existing areas. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah that's fair. I'd, I'd agree with that. Uh, there's, there's no like standout reason why you wouldn't go to the other areas. The only one that I've never been a big fan of is a desert region, but that's just, I don't like desert regions in general. Because the there's the sand and it's coarse and it gets everywhere. Yeah, it's coarse and it's yeah. rough. <laughs> it 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 wasn't just it wasn't just the sand uh sand adults, but also the sand children too. <laughs> well, um it's funny because I've I've got slight PTSD from desert areas on uh the older Monster Hunter games just because back when it used to load you between areas, uh it would be slower to run through a desert area than to run around the map. <laughs> oh god. That- just, just because of the, the the amount of distance that you had to cover. Yeah, that sounds uh, in- that sounds really stupid. Uh, it was a little bit, and so uh, and also because you needed cold drinks to go through the desert areas, because, or mm. hot drinks in the mm. in, at night. So, uh, yeah, big big open desert areas have never been. Uh, I've never been that much of a fan of either. Yeah, but, I remember. I remember uh, cold drinks in world because of um the uh the final area of um base world needed them to go through the lava regions. Yep. Yep, the volcano, uh, indeed, uh, lava caverns or whatever it was called. Um, although, uh, world, world kind of cured me of the PTSD on that front because the desert, they handled the desert area very well, I think, um, because it was varied enough that it, you didn't feel like you were just running through sand. Um, Rise does it kind of in between where you've got a couple large open sandy areas and otherwise it's quite enclosed, but, um, I find it's too easy to get stuck down the bottom. Yeah. And you need to find, uh, like, a, a jewel lily or a lot of stamina to war on your way back out. Yeah, and they, <laughs> Com- they incentivize to, yeah, me to go into the bottom areas because they do those big leaps of faith to get a lot of spirit bugs that increase your HP cap. Yeah, yeah. So I, I agree with you. The desert's a little bit lackluster on that one. But, um, yeah, otherwise the new areas are great. So, um, monsters, because uh, that's probably worth talking about. Uh, so I, I have finished the Sunbreak story. I am master rank... Yeah, 20. Um, About to uncap the 20. Uh, Yeah, I the next time I play will hopefully uncap at Master Rank 20 and then I'll instantly get to Master Rank 30 because of how long I've been at Master Rank 20. Um, I uh, 
I, I on funny. the other hand, am at Master Rank 4. I've just done the second of the three uh, legendary, legendary monsters. Yeah. Um, the the Lunagaran is yep. your, your most recent one. Yep. Um, Lunagaran was so much fun as well. Yeah. And, and so, and really, so, really letting the team down, Seth. Really letting the team down. <laughs> no, I've just been propping the team up. Um, what, I, what I will say, uh, I have gone the entire way through Sunbreak. And uh, I ended up mentioning this to Josh, and he agrees, actually, in that every urgent quest fight, you go, wow, this is the best monster in Sunbreak. And then you get to the next one, you go, <laughs> wow, this is the best monster in Sunbreak. Yeah, I've had that they- experience so far. Um, Garangom, I was like, wow, Garangom is so cool. I like its moveset. Yeah. It's the best fight exactly. in the game so far. And then exactly. we just did the Lunagon <laughs> earlier, and I'm like, wow, this monster's so fucking cool. It's the best fight in the game so far. I love it. And then- and then you get to Melzino and you're like, okay, now this monster is the best one in the game. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I really, really like how they did that because I'm not saying, you know, if there are people out there that would say Garen Golm is the coolest monster that they've introduced and, you know, power to you, that's fine. But the fact that every urgent quest is um, different enough and the fight feels unique and special, it's really cool how they did it. Um, yeah. Or how, how, they, how they progressed that. Uh, what's interesting is that um, the I don't think Gormagala is an urgent. Shigaru Magala is, but uh, that's the only one. That's the only hiccup because Shigaru Magala isn't a new one. The rest of them, I'm pretty sure, are all new. Because yeah, Melzino, Lunagaran, Garangolm. Oh, yeah, Wait, when, you, when, you, when you say new for for my clarity, because I haven't played yeah. Rise. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you mean new to the um, to the Rise? Sort of series or new to the Monster to Sun- Hunter franchise? No, no, to Sunbreak specifically. So Shigaru Magala, ah, okay, cool. Shigaru Magala was introduced to Monster Hunter Four and took a bit of a hiatus and is now back. And I'm so glad he's back. And the the, the best part, the, these the, 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 these the, first the, few though are new for the series in general, like Garen Golm, uh, Luna. All all of them are all of them are, are new to the series in general, except Shigaru Magala. Oh, even the Honatos and Sianator. Oh no, no, no! But I—they're I, not urgent though. They, oh, they were put is. into. Uh, they're like the midpoint urgent ones. Yeah. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like Aurora Somnicanth as well. Yeah, no. Shogun Senator is not new. Damio Hermitor is not new. Um, but it has been a while since they've been in a game though, so it's cool that they're back. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah. Uh, so I. I love Gormagala and Shigaru Magala from 4. I fought them a ton because of how awesome their designs were, and I made, like, all their weapons and stuff. Uh, and what was awesome is that they've copy-pasted the AI well enough that I was I had zero problems with Gormagala or Shigaru Magala. I just went straight in, and it was just like, yeah, I understand this monster in its entirety. And what was great was hunting with Josh, and I kept my mouth shut because I'm like, he's going to find... He, he's going to hit the wall that is Shigaru Magala because uh, the first couple times you're just like, Jesus Christ, this thing gives me no quarter... I have no opening. I don't know how to attack this thing. That was me fighting and, Tigrex for the first time. Yeah, exactly. And and like you know, once you do it a couple of times, you realize, oh, this is how the monster works. I can I can work around this. And so what was great was Shigaru Magala goes into enraged mode, which means that Shigaru starts spitting um, explosive uh, like frenzy balls uh, in front of him in a line, and then in front in like a line forwards and then a line sideways. And so uh, I didn't mention anything to Josh when we were hunting. And I, I see a Shigaru rearing up for this. I'm like, okay, Josh is about to, uh, Josh is about to get filtered real hard, <laughs> and immediately, like the first one that goes off, instantly kills him. And it was just like, yeah, this is perfect. And I had, 
I had tears streaming down my face enough that I didn't notice when he round when he when he went for round two and killed me because I was <laughs> laughing so hard at Josh. But it's yeah. You, you want to talk about Josh getting filtered? What about that Camellios hunt where literally all <laughs> of us threw so he wouldn't win it after fifteen minutes? That's true. That's true. <laughs> but no, I'm just I'm so glad that they bought they they not only brought back uh, Gore and Shigaru, but they brought back like them in their perfect entirety. Same thing with Seregios uh, and um, Astalos, although Astalos got a, a visual upgrade, which I think was really cool. He now looks a lot more insect-like than he did in the, um, in the handheld games. Uh, what of the monsters you've fought so far is your favorite? Uh, so far, probably... So I'm currently going through that phase of, oh, this, this last urgent quest was the best one in the game so far, and it's my favorite. So the Lunagon, uh, Lunagaron? Yeah, Luna Garen. Yeah, nice. Um, Luna Garen's my favorite so far. I've only fought it once, but I had a really good hunt with it. Um, going into a little bit of the new things that Sunbreak added, um, I fought it with a hammer, and they've added a parry to the hammer for some reason. They they made it completely insane. <laughs> um, so I brought <laughs> it. What it does is, um, I press the um circle button to throw out a like a little bit of an overhead attack, and during any moment of that attack's like active window, um. I just parry whatever the monsters are throwing at me, and if it's successful, I press triangle or circle to do big follow-up attacks. And this is my first time fighting Luna Garen, but it's got good enough tells where I can try and like figure out when I'm supposed to parry against it. And I did really well against it, uh, like just reading its attacks and everything. And it was just a fun mm. fight to just mess around with. Yeah, and it's it's really. I think Luna Garen's really well designed in that respect because if you fuck around too much, it'll punish you. But he doesn't really do a particular move that will instantly kill you like a lot of the others do. Yeah, exactly. The uh, Garen Golm Good, didn't I fucking have that hate either. That. Uh, Garen Golm was um, pretty tame as well. Like the I most think, fun things think- about it are like ways it's traversing around the arena, like throwing down its um its lava fist to rocket jump across the field. <laughs> I think, I think Garangom, you can get unlucky and it can combo you, though. I think Luna Garen, it leaves wide enough opening that even if you get stunned, it's not going to instantly punish you. I think the only combo that uh, Garangom has, you can wire bug fall out of it. It's where it um hmm. it throws you up with its head and then it does its like big move where it's like makes a giant uh, steam bubble explosion. I, when it throws you up, you can wire bug out of that to avoid the explosion. Hmm. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, yeah, so... Uh, moving forwards, you have Malzino to look forward to, uh, obviously, because, you know, that was the third of the three Guardians. Yep. Um, Shigaru and Gore, uh, which, whoa, I just, as I say, love. And, um, and whatever Josh was hunting before, where he kept saying, oh my god, this fight is so sick. Yeah, which I'm not going to spoil, uh, but let's just say it is an excellent finale to Sunbreak. Really, really happy with how with how they did the finale. Is that um, going to be at uh, six star? MR6? Yes. Yeah, so you'll hit, um, yeah, so you'll hit, actually, it might be the urgent, shoot, I don't remember the order. Because I'm at MR4 now, and that's going to be Malzino, so the next one is Shigaru, which would be MR5. Yes, and And then, and then once you, yeah, so you got, um, Malzino, Shigaru, and then once you do Shigaru, it'll... Um, it'll give you the three Elder Dragons and you need to fight two of them and then it will give you um, uh, another Urgent and then when you clear that Urgent, you're then up to the finale. Okay. And at the at the end of the finale, you're Master Rank 6. So 
I think Shigaru's the midpoint for Master uh, for Master Rank Five. Okay, yeah, and then there'll but, be the yeah, old dragons a- or whatever's yeah. next yeah, yeah. after that. Yep. Yeah. Um, in terms of post story content, uh, you get to do what are called afflicted quests. I'm not going to detail how they work, but they give you the materials that you need for rank ten weapons, and they are difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've only done the first one. Well, I've done the first one twice now. Once, um, once solo myself, and once yeah, with Josh. I heard um, you and Josh mention an afflicted Azuros. Yeah, yeah. So there are afflicted versions of monsters, which give you the last sort of pieces needed to unlock the rank ten gear of of theirs. Um, I really, it it harkens back to how they did post game in four, which I really like and appreciate. Um, I'm not looking forward to the difficulty spike because the Azeros gave me a run for my money and that's the starting point. Yeah, Azeros is like one of the first monsters you fight. Yep. Uh, And um, what is interesting though is that using, so Azeros drops materials that, um, you know, you don't have to use to unlock stuff, but they let you see what the rank 10 is. And so I can now see what the rank 10 Legombi um, dual blades, because I'm using dual blades through through Sunbreak uh, for whatever reason. The rank 10 Legombi Dual Blades are basically equivalent to the rank 9 Kashala Deora um, Ice Dual Blades, which means I am not looking forward to fighting Afflicted Kashala Deora for the rank 10 Dual Blades because the rank 10 Dual Blades are going to be amazing. <laughs> yep, I can imagine. Uh, and speaking of gear, uh, what did you end up looking at what the Lunagaran weapons and armor look like? I looked, yes, I did. Um, I am a big fan of the weapon designs. The armor is fine. I'm not a fan of the helmet for it, um, but I do like the, like, um, I want to say, like, Kamen Rider-ish, or, like, that sort of look that um is going on with the armor itself. It's just the helmet mm. that throws off that whole piece for me. Um, the weapons, yeah. though, I, I love that glowy red effect they have going through all of those weapons. It looks really great. Yeah, yeah. The uh, that That's the other cool thing with not only other fights, to me at least, not only do the fights get more and more awesome, but the weapons and gear that those awesome fights turn into also gets more and more awesome. Yeah, because the Garangon were, like, really cool looking, and then the Lunar Garan just moved it up a whole nother level. And yeah, and then I'm Malzino. To I, what Malzino does, yes. I I really like the Malzino um gear as well. Uh, and then obviously I know what the Shigaru gear looks like, and I'm a massive fan of that too. Um, the finale monster, it's cool. I I I I appreciate how unique the look is. I don't know that I'd say they're my favorite weapon designs, just as like a slight piece at the end. But. I find that the finale monsters are usually just fine when it comes to armor and weapons yeah. like i felt that yeah. way about the world ones and that's sort of a similar spot to where this is as well yeah like it's not as cool as like the big flagships that they usually push like um the no gigante weapons and armor were fantastic but um yes the Zeno yeah. Jiva was just fine mm-hmm. and yeah mm-hmm. valhazar uh, was great yep yep uh, i will say i'm a big fan of the uh switch skills uh, now being kind of loadout based, it feels like there are a lot more customizations now. Yep, I, I, I know I, that that's that that's really weapon dependent though. Like door blades, they play very differently. Um, hunting horn, they don't. Uh, hammer, where where are they at with hammer? Do you find that you use the two different loadouts? Uh yeah, I wanted to get in on this because a silk swap is like my favorite thing they've added to um at, to Sunbreak. So I've got quite a few words for this. Um, I'll get to hammer last, I guess. Uh. 
because I start off with um switch axe, and switch axe's main moveset is pretty similar throughout. It's how you handle like the final uh elemental discharge is very different, and um its uh silk bind abilities were pretty different. So I've um I've changed my loadouts to uh make like those certain aspects feel different for the situation I need. So one of them is like, oh, here's um the uh, if I want to stay in on the monster, I um have this loadout where it's like the uh, L2 and triangle pulls me in closer to it and is doing the big giant uh, axe swing. And then um, the elemental discharge is uh, gripping onto the monster and um, the usual one where you just like stab the sword into the monster and just start uh, doing the discharge over and over until it blows up. Yeah. While the other one is more sword based where it's... um the L2 and triangle is where you leap up into the air and then do like a dive down and the uh, the big elemental discharge is like you do like a swinging circle slash it does a big explosion at the end. So there's a big like difference in how that playstyle goes out. Yeah. Um, the charge blade is very different between the two. Um, you get like a whole different moveset for the second one and it's made the charge blade feel like an entirely new weapon thanks to it. And it feels so much smoother to play. Um, charge blades are uh, not, sorry, not charge blade, great sword, great sword. Great swords always been like this very heavy, rigid, but satisfying weapon to play. But now there's this added ability, uh, like this added mobility and smoothness to the weapon. That's just like um, at, at any point you can switch between the traditional version where it's like, get your big hits to feel like a big strong person for like landing that true charge shot in just the right way or then go to this other variant where it's like the monster's moving around a lot um so now you've got that little bit of mobility you need to keep up with it and still do pretty big decent uh, hits against it but um you're trading in some like damage just for like better better movability um and yeah it just it helps the great it helps the great sword keep up with like the new systems that are in the game um mm. also been very satisfying and i like it a lot um it's probably my favorite so far the hammer um it's it's weird it's in a spot where it's like how you play the hammer is um it it's it changes your mindset on how to approach with the hammer so usually um the main the main way to play a hammer is just go ugga bugger smash the head in um do as much damage to the head until you just cave in the monster's skull but um the new ability they added to it is like trying to be more mindful it's um like i mentioned before it's changed one of the attacks to have this huge parry window on it so like now you can counter enemy hits instead of like just tanking them and being flung around and the um when they showed the trailers we mentioned that the hammer looks kind of kind of lame in comparison to the other weapons because it was just like uh the normal ability was you uh charge a attack and then you just sit, spin around or the new one is you charge and then you charge again playing it with my hands on it now the the charge into charge is actually quite good because what it's done is it's let you do two level three charge attacks back to back in a very uh, quick and efficient manner. And that means you just get big damage off the um, KO'd or knocked over monsters. Um, I don't find myself switching between the two 
very frequently, like the two playstyles, I usually just stick to one until I feel like there's a moment I need to switch to the other one. But it's it does feel a little different, but not in like the big same way that Greatsword feels like it got a huge different uh, approach to how you play it. Mm, fair enough. Uh, I realize we're at 22 minutes, but final couple of points I want to say. And as I say, we're going to end up talking about this next week with Josh anyway, hopefully. Um, NPCs. Bahari, piece of shit, really. Like, yeah, Bahari's kind of lame. He, he... I, I, I find him entertaining, but eh, take him or leave him as a character. Fearane, though. Fearane, excellent. Um, secondary point to that, Fearane as like an AI that you can take with you on hunts. Uh, really, really well coded. We, we were a bit up in the air about follower quests. I'm really happy with how the AI behaves. Yeah, no, and um, I was also I had... surprised that they stay with you for four-player hunts. I thought they would only be there for single-player and not only that, but they also, um, they provide, like, they do, they can use items when they need to. They can also mount monsters and attack, like, they, they can do, like, mounting attacks from, from monsters, which I was surprised that they'd even considered. So, yeah, really cool on that. And I'm really looking forward to, now that I've unlocked all of the, the follower hunts, um, picking up people from Kimura as well as Elgato to, to go on hunts with for the, some of the follower quests. So, look, uh, super looking forward to that. Um, final two points, the, um, hunting help, the new hunting helpers and other changes to the environments, like all the crabs on the walls and stuff that attack things. Um, I really like, uh, I haven't used them all yet, but marionette spider, I'm a massive fan of. Marionette spider is so fun. (laughs) Yep. Uh, and there was one final thing I was going to say, shoot. Uh, what was it? Dual blades are the best weapon. Well, no, we, we knew that though. Uh, very good. (laughs) It doesn't sound like great sword. No, it's not. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not even even greater uh, as a sword. Oh, um, the rampage! Them, actually, rampage. I do find it funny that yeah, true. I do find it funny that they've basically just dropped the rampage line completely. Um, not only have they never mentioned rampage at any point in the story, other they do, than actually. once. Um, well, sorry, other than once when they say that this is now worse than the rampage, or this is now part of the source of the rampage. But yeah. <laughs> um, there's, there's no master rank rampage quests or anything that I've found yet. Uh, but it's also kind of annoying in that the Rampage skills are now linked to gems that you put onto a special slot on your weapon, which means that stuff like my um, stacked, cheesable, full healing hunting horn is locked to high rank, and I can't use it in master rank because swapping, upgrading anything into master rank gets rid of the Rampage skill. So that was kind of a bummer. Yeah, I I just didn't even... I, I thought that the Rampage skills would carry across. Um, it's a little lame that they're just gone completely um mm. and the rampage slots in the decorations i i haven't interacted with that yet so i have no no um feeling toward it at all right now mm. but overall super happy with the with the expansion uh we were already at 2 million copies sold of sunbreak and 10 million for uh rise so awesome to see um i yeah i much like iceborne would give this like a nine and a half out of ten yeah, I Ooh. will absolutely Yeesh, keep me playing for, for ages. Yeah, I know. Nothing but high praise for me this week. Honestly, other than season three just, of Stranger yeah. Things. Just for the silk bind swapping, um, I'm giving it a 10 out of 10 because it just completely revamps how to play the game, how you go into hunts and everything. And it's just a fun ability that they've added into it. And I, I am just a huge fan of that, um, that swap mechanic. The only That's thing like the third that 10 out of 10 it. you're given this year, Seth. We've got to get some sort of bell. <laughs> <laughs> the the um the only thing stopping it being a ten for me the invisible walls and because of how good Iceborne was 
Iceborne having the um uh the ticket melding for rare parts that you couldn't be bothered farming for. Excellent mechanic. And Did just they the hub keep being that didn't that wasn't that a part of Weld in general? Probably, but I know yeah. that they expanded on it with Iceborne though, uh in being able to get it from the alchemy person. The, yeah, no, um, that, that was the, always the a part of Weld. I remember getting some parts from um the alchemy person in um uh, no, no, but I mean the the being being able to get the tickets from the um coal um the coal fireplace in oh Hunt right Hunt. yes that part yeah that that piece of it so in other words um there's just slightly more to do in in the hub in in Iceborne and in Elgado there are a bunch of invisible walls <laughs> so that that's the that's the main thing that doesn't quite make it a ten for me but hopefully that comes with um one of the future updates which of course there are future updates so. Um, there'll be tons more Monster Hunter content to cover. We've now gone well over the 20 minute mark. Last thing from you, Seth? Uh, yeah, no, I don't have any last things to add. I basically that a, a big part of what I enjoy for the um for these type of things is how much they change the gameplay and improve it. And that Silk Swap like just completely changed change the game for me in such a positive way that I'm coming out of this very happy with the purchase. Cool. Last word from you, Steve. When is it coming to Game Pass? I do want to play this, <laughs> but I don't want to pay money. Um, well, that's why I, I played World. Actually, no, I didn't. I bought World, and then two weeks later, it came to Game Pass. So I had a, an aneurysm because this is not fair anymore. Nice. Why buy games? Everything comes to Game Pass. But yes, get, I, get wrecked. It's on the back, radar. your money away. But I don't think playing it on Switch is good. You boys aren't playing it on Switch, are you? No, playing it on PC. Nah. I, I uh, do not I, know how this DLC runs on Switch, and I'm scared to find out. <laughs> True. Uh, I had fun on Switch, but I much prefer playing a Monster Hunter game on PC now that I've done it. Yeah, probably just looks a bit better, doesn't it? And it just... Looks, runs better, and I get to use a PlayStation controller. Yeah, yeah. All, Man, all points that I agree with. Sony bros, right. just keep coping, eh? <laughs> it's not coming to PlayStation, let it go. It says the one oh. that's begging for it to come on Game Pass. <laughs> that's different, but it's that never come to Xbox before. Monster Hunter used to be a flagship. To the That's it, no, no, we're going to win console war. Of pew, 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 pew. Part... One for this week, uh, which means that we get to move on to part two for this week, which is, of course, the news. And unfortunately, what you just heard might have been a lie, because while Pars Patrick was really keen to get into the news and audience question for this week, thanks to Steve for getting that his hard drive was full, we actually ended up missing a lot of that footage. So don't worry, we'll be back to normal next week, but... In the meantime, if you have enjoyed what you've listened to for this admittedly a bit shorter episode 31, thanks Steve, uh, please give us a like on your favorite podcast platform and a review or comment if you can. All interactions really help boost our voices within the algorithm and bring us one step closer to being the preferred gaming and pop culture news podcast sponsored by Krispy Kreme. So thank you for listening to episode 31 and we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>